from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much and welcome. Mike with you here uh, by myself, uh, the guest host I was promising, uh, went off the grid for a couple of days. Uh, and uh, basically he's a work friend of my wife. She said he was interested in doing it earlier in the week and I said, Oh, Thursday. I said to my wife, hey, shoot him a text, see if he wants to do it. And I didn't hear back until like Saturday that he was in Illinois. Uh, so yeah, flying solo this time around. And uh, I was going to have my wife sit in on this, but she's got to get up for work tomorrow morning and I'm starting off late. i just been feeling sluggish these last couple of days. Just tired, out of a funk. I didn't really start getting any energy until about half an hour ago. So hopefully... I don't sound too gassed doing this, uh, but before we get too far off into things, R.I.P. to the late, great, I hate saying it, the late, great James Kahn. Passed away earlier this week at the age of 82, quite the filmography. Uh, you know, he was uh, best known lately as uh, Buddy's dad in the Christmas movie Elf. Uh, he's been in Rollerball. Uh, he was in Misery. He was in a ton of movies. I think he's best known, though, as Sonny from The Godfather, the hot-tempered Corleone son, uh, of course, the older brother to Michael. And we all know about him kicking the crap out of Carlo and then getting shot up later at the toll booth. Uh, very iconic character, <laughs> to say the least. Very iconic actor. Uh, greatly missed. But I tell you what, I, he was one of the few guys uh, from Hollywood that I would actually follow on Twitter. Because, you know, I know it's hypocritical of a guy like me who has a podcast, who's got opinions and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, I, even if I don't agree with an actor, I still want to see what they're up to. And uh, James Kahn would always share pictures and stuff from behind the scenes of all the movies that he worked on, and he was notorious for every tweet, here's me and Rollerball. End of tweet. Like, every tweet was end of tweet. That's how he would do it. When they announced his uh, death on his Twitter account, they did it for him, man. End of tweet. But, uh, yeah, he, he posted a picture of him from behind the scenes with John Wayne. And, uh, you know, and that's not very a politically correct thing to do nowadays with John Wayne, right? But, I mean, he, he was proud of that. And, you know, if I was in a movie with John Wayne, I'd brag it up, too. Uh, of course, I would also brag it up if I was in a movie with... Uh, the very eccentric Marlon Brando, uh, who also no longer with us. But James Caan, you're de uh, dearly missed. And anybody that's never seen The Godfather, in my opinion, hates movies. Uh, okay, so movie I saw this weekend with the wife. Yesterday we went and saw Thor, Love and Thunder. Thought it was pretty solid. I, I would say uh, I would say not as good as Ragnarok. Uh, because you know how, if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, first one's funny as hell. And there's some funny parts in too, but a lot of times it felt like they were forcing humor and it got a little cringy. Kind of the problem here with Love and Thunder, like there was a scene where uh, the bad guy played by Christian Bale takes hostages. And soon after, like uh, both Chris Helmsworth and uh, Natalie Portman are trying to do like cringy rom-com jokes. And it's just like, hey, the timing for this is not all that good. And I think with Ragnarok, when you have villains played by Kate Blanchett and uh, Jeff Goldblum, and they're, they're kind of playing up the campiness of it all. It works better, whereas Christian Bale, uh, his uh, Gore the uh, God Butcher character, 
very dark. Kind of hard to play up the humor with this dude. But I will say this about Christian Bale's character. Uh, his portrayal of this villain, it's light. It's, it's lights out fantastic. I'm not saying this is like Oscar-worthy material, but Christian Bale did not half-ass this at all. And he's one of the more memorable Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. So hats off to him. If you get a chance to see it's all right. Um, there are kind of the... Uh, there are a few woke elements in it, I guess. Um, if you haven't picked up by now, uh, Tessa Thompson, she plays Valkyrie, and Valkyrie, she likes gals. She's a lesbian. Okay, not a big problem with that. Uh, apparently, uh, the, the rock creature in the movie likes dude rocks. Okay, that's not too big a deal. But this thing is still going to make a lot of money this weekend. Whereas you had Lightyear a couple years back, made by the same company, mind you, there's like a split second of two women kissing in this movie, and it didn't do too well. And I think the thing here is, is like Lightyear was supposed to be for a family audience. I think, was it PG or G? I, I'm too lazy to research this. But Thor is a PG-13 movie, and you get a lot of adult nerd types going to this thing. A lot of teenagers are a little more aware of uh, sexuality and all that stuff. Uh, it's going to play better than to the, uh, the kid audience. So that's why Lightyear fizzled. Uh, even if it was that one scene, and Thor looks like it's going to make a buttload of money. Um, and again, it's it's a pretty decent movie. Um, if you get a chance to see it, go see it. Um, I, I will say this, though. I'm more excited about uh, things that are streaming right now or uh, on TV tomorrow. Uh, the rest of the final season of Better Call Saul will uh, kick off, and by tomorrow, I mean, we're doing this Sunday night, but uh, Monday nights for the next six or so weeks, Better Call Saul wraps up its show, and uh, it's a great companion piece to uh, Breaking Bad, and Stranger Things, got done watching uh, the final two episodes of that last weekend, and uh, pretty solid, I will say this about Stranger Things, though, it is the 24 of the horror set, and it's kind of a a compliment and kind of a criticism of Stranger Things. Because 24, at its best, at its tensest, was just like a Hitchcock thriller. You're just like on the edge of your scene going, seat of going, what the hell's going to happen next? And then it could get as stupid as a soap opera, like anything involving Jack Bauer's daughter. You know, Stranger Things kind of has that vibe too. Oh, it's, it's the horror set. And so things happen that are scary, tense, dark. And you're going, well, what the hell happens next? And then uh, they start talking about relationship problems. And it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Uh, uh, but uh, Millie Brown, who plays Eleven, does a very fantastic uh, job on the show, as always. And uh, and I got to say this. When you're going to write a superhero type of character, and, and I think the Duffer brothers do do this well, I don't think she's necessarily an ex machina type, uh, ex deus machina kind of character where... Okay, she shows up and saves the day. She has her issues, too. She's kind of like the old-school Marvel approach where you have a super-powered being, and she's as flawed as, like, Spider-Man. Spider-Man can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Doc Ock, but he's a teenage boy who has trouble with girls and struggles with all sorts of things. And Elle, she's a super-powered uh, psychic, uh, but she's also a teenage girl, and she feels alienated and alone, and she doesn't necessarily win the battle in this season. Don't want to say too much more than that. Uh, but I think they do a good job with that, uh, Stranger Things. So if you get a chance to check that out, do so as well. 
and I'm looking forward to season five whenever the hell they get around to that. Um, the media has been getting around on uh, trying to make you feel bit bitter or sad about uh, Brittany Griner. If you haven't uh, know what's going on with that, uh, you obviously are Amish, and somehow you found this podcast, which makes no sense. Uh, but she got caught earlier this year uh, in an airport in Russia with a little bit of cannabis, cannabis oil, and uh, now she's sitting in a Russian prison, and there's a lot of people that are saying she's been unlawfully detained, she's been kidnapped, she's been framed, even though earlier this week she pled guilty to possessing this, so kind of kind of kills that whole narrative but there just seems to be a lot of pressure to bring her back and they're pressuring the wrong people they're pressuring us like we have a say as to whether or not Brittany Griner comes home now let's talk about Russia for a minute um, Russia is not a fun place to live from what I understand um, and Putin is an ex-KGB thug who uh, has said in interviews that he misses the good old days of the Soviet Union so you can kind of get an idea of what um, his mindset is on a whole lot of crap. Um, but they have strict drug laws there. So marijuana is considered contraband still over there. And federally here it is, but also like state to state. Like if she got arrested with a little bit of cannabis oil on her in California and they threw her in jail, that would be unlawful detention because it's legal in the state of California. And she got arrested in a, uh, a deep south red state with a little bit of pot. I would just shrug and go, eh, it's not a big deal. And she'd probably get a slap on the wrist, do some community service. You know, kids, say no to drugs. Those sort of PSAs like they always uh, lasso athletes into doing. But she got caught in Russia in an airport with this stuff. And so now she's kind of sort of a political prisoner. But people are making it seem like if we don't bring her home, you're a sexist, you're a racist. You know, you you don't like the fact that she has a wife, and has, her wife's been pleading for her to come home. And I understand that because, well, that's her wife. You're married. You make a commitment to each other. Fine. Um, but this it's it's overkill the way they're doing this. Like her Phoenix coach uh, for for her team, she says if uh, if LeBron James or Tom Brady were captured by uh, Russia for having pot or whatever. Uh, the State Department would be doing all they could to bring him home, and I'm just thinking. I don't think, I don't think Vladimir Putin gives a crap about LeBron James or Tom Brady, at all. I don't think he cares about any of our uh, American athletes. He's he's a pretty gung ho Russian national type of guy. He might get his rocks off having LeBron or Brady in his jails. To be honest, he he might get a bigger kick out of that than having Brittany Griner in his jail. Okay, so there's that. Um, and everybody's like, well, why isn't the State Department doing more? Well, you got to understand, if you try to do more, Brittany Griner is a WNBA player, and she plays some uh, professional basketball, obviously, overseas. Who would you give up to get her back? If the State Department was to do a trade, who would you give up? And this is where it gets a little tricky, because I don't think Vladimir Putin would want one of his stoner athletes back. Uh, especially considering that marijuana is still illegal in Russia. So would you give up a spy? Would you give up a, a would-be assassin? Who would you give up? And those are kind of high profile compared to Brittany Griner. You've heard of Brittany Griner. 
but you haven't heard of any of these spies. And so that comes into play. And you have other people saying, well, there are other American prisoners in jail right now. Why aren't we doing more to bring them home before Brittany? So there's a little bit of that as well. But it what kind of gets my gears going, and I want to say this right now, if you bring Brittany Griner home, that's fine, but don't sell the farm to bring home a dozen eggs is what I'm getting at here. Um, but the guilt trip that some in the media are laying on people, that she wouldn't have been over there if she hadn't had to play over there. Because uh, the average NBA player here makes tens of millions of dollars annually. Like, you know, your bigger stars. And they're wringing her, their hands. I think uh, NPR posted an article about this. And the LA Times, uh, their editorial board, posted that, uh, you know, she wouldn't have been over there if she was only making $230,000 a year with the WNBA. Yes, I get it. That's significantly less than NBA players. But first of all, more people watch the NBA than the WNBA. They had the All-Star game earlier today in the afternoon, not in prime time, not like the NBA where eyeballs would be glued to television sets. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. You need more people to watch the WNBA to, you know, bring in more and more money. Now, if you had like a, like a Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk type that was feeling generous and underwriting for bigger contracts, I guess that could work. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like get too high, high, strong or upset about that. But you, you, you gotta have to make money to bring in money, and only, only two hundred thirty thousand dollars sounds a little tone deaf. When you compare it to average Joe Americans, man, I mean, like my wife and I, we both work. We have three kids. We both work and we do okay for ourselves. We pay, we pay the mortgage. We pay, you know, vehicle maintenance. Uh, we pay utilities, taxes, all that fun stuff, all that responsibility stuff. We don't rake in six figures combined. I think we're a little under that. Um, and I'm not asking you to play at-home IRS agent to figure out what me and the wife each make. I'm just saying we don't make six figures. So, yeah, it's obviously less than $100,000. And I imagine there's a lot of households that are like that across America. And you have WNBA players and alleged sports journalists trying to make you feel guilty that Brittany Griner, who I think is worth $17 million total, but she's only making six figures in the WNBA. She's only making $230,000. I would say, I mean, yeah, compared to the to the NBA, to the dudes and all that, significantly less, but she's doing a hell of a lot better than a lot of people that are cursing paying about five bucks at the gas pump, five bucks a gallon at the gas pump nowadays. So you can't really garner sympathy when you play that card. You know, it just, it doesn't work. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. I, my advice is sports media and the WNBA, on the off chance anybody that they're uh, associated with any of them are listening to this uh, random rant on the internet, maybe downplay that class warfare thing because it's not going to play out as well as you think it's going to play out. Especially with that. <laughs> um but uh, you can read, uh, the, I'll try to link up more about this story on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I don't think I've posted anything uh, this week. I've just been kind of following it, making notes and going, huh. 
Uh, I'm also making notes about the latest uh, development with uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. It looks like the deal is off now, which, uh, okay, if it is, I'd be kind of bummed because I would love to see what Elon could have done with Twitter. But is it over? Are these things ever really over? That's my question. Uh, and, and the argument is stemming here that Twitter has not been honest in its data uh, when they were uh, you know, trying to finalize the deal. So Elon wants out. Now Twitter is going to sue Elon. I wouldn't be surprised if Elon countersued Twitter. It all has to do with bots. And basically, if you don't know what a bot is, it's it's base it's a it's a fake Twitter account. It is an automated Twitter account that spams, that collects data, that does all sorts of fun things. It pretends to be real. It pretends to be human. And uh, there's a bunch of them on Twitter. Twitter is saying that less than five percent of their accounts are bots. Elon is hinting that that number might be higher. He doesn't know. He thinks they're fudging the data a little bit over there at Twitter. And so he wants his experts to look at it. And they're like, oh, no, we gave you all the data. And he's like, no, 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 I want to look at the real data and have my guys and gals look at it. No, no, we gave you the data. Fine, deal's off. Fine, we sue. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, and I get it. If you don't trust Elon Musk, that's fine. If, you, if you're a little skeptical of any uh, any billionaire, or government type, or anybody that's uh, rich and powerful, that's fine. Okay, you don't like Elon. But for those who are attacking Elon Musk on this, let me ask you this. Why in the hell are you defending Twitter? Because Twitter is run by rich people, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of stock there. There's a lot of value there, especially considering that it's tied up with a lot of media organizations. I use Twitter. Not that I'm a high roller, mind you. But, you know, you watch your evening news and your cable news for whatever reasons i don't know and they'll go you can follow this story on twitter or facebook let us know your feedback they use these two platforms so there's that but i happen to think gut feeling wise that i'm with elon on this because i think there's a hell of a lot more bots out there on twitter hell how many burner accounts do you think are out there on twitter do you think that a person only signs up for one Twitter account or that they have their own Twitter account plus maybe three, four, maybe five or six burner accounts where they operate under uh, an anime avatar and some fictitious handle and spam and troll other people? You know, how, how many people actually use Twitter versus the number of accounts would be fascinating. And think about that. If it came out that Twitter was overinflating how many people actually used their accounts and that got leaked to the media, and of course, again, the media uses Twitter, that'd be a little scandalous, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of big tech and, and media being intertwined. And I'm not saying your local CBS or uh, NBC affiliate are conspiring against you with Twitter. It's just that they use it and their networks use it and it's very intertwined. And none of these people are asking the hard questions. Elon is asking a question here. And yeah, I get it. He's flaky. And he's had a bit of a history manipulating stocks and all that. But I think this is a legitimate question. How legit is Twitter? Do we go back to what Dave Chappelle said last year? I don't give an F. It's not a real place.
this is going to be a very fascinating lawsuit, a very interesting court case here in the next couple of months, how this all plays out. And if the media will be honest if it comes out that Twitter is less than honest. Again, it's a wait-and-see type of thing. But the drama with this is nonetheless fascinating. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, the drama that I'm getting sick and freaking tired of is uh, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, uh, drama. If you thought that court case was over, guess again, it might be back from the dead. I am for real. Because it came out at the end of this week uh, from her legal team that one of the jurors I think uh, ended up not being who they said they were. I think it was alleged that this was the father, but it was the son living in the same address. They had the same name. But this juror apparently sat throughout the entire trial, listened to all the depositions and the testimonies from both sides, and helped decide the case that ultimately led to Johnny Depp winning his lawsuit against Amber Heard and putting her in the hole in a pickle and having her do these low-rated television interviews and uh, you know signing these book contracts for uh, autobiographies nobody's going to read and the whole nine and yada, 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 yada. And I'm just thinking how irresponsible this is on a whole bunch of sides here. Because when when jurors are picked, I mean, both both legal teams get to ask questions and just help disqualify potential jurors, right? So Amber Heard's legal team would have vetted this person in question, would they not? And they could have asked the tough questions like, uh, yeah, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's kind of them shooting themselves in the foot and looking comical. But think about this, too. What if... This uh, this uh, this trial went the other way in her favor. Why didn't Johnny Depp's team question this person a little harder? And I'll go a little further. Uh, the judge looks at the jury pool too, right? I mean, why didn't the judge say anything about this? And I'll go even a little further. Uh, the media, which had a bunch of talking heads talking non-stop about this, even saying, yeah, this is Amber Heard's trial to win. Not one of them questioned if everything was legit about this trial. There were so many eyeballs uh, that let this pass. And to me, I'm thinking, why in the hell even go back? You can't throw this out now because a lot of people fail to do their jobs, especially Amber Heard's legal team. If they didn't catch it the first time, that's on them. Again, if this trial went the other way, it's on Johnny Depp's legal team for not catching this. It's just it's it's amazing how dumb everybody involved in this trial really is, if that is the case. Especially Amber Heard's side. She really needs to go the F away. Not gonna happen anytime soon. Uh but I got that story linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, and who knows, maybe this is something we're talking about six months from now. Wouldn't you just love to do that? Uh, and finally, wh wh where was this at? Uh, London? Uh, environmentalists uh, protesting uh, us using gas, and boy, that if you're going to make somebody mad, 
tell them not to use gas. If anything, they're using too much gas, and that's why gas earlier this summer was at five bucks. Now we're only paying uh, what here in Northeast Indiana four sixty. Oh, what a discount, right? Uh, but there are environmentalists in London that have been protesting a little harder and fiercer lately against petroleum. So much so, I think at uh, one of the museums over there, they glued their hands to the painting. I think uh, Da Vinci did this, didn't he? Uh, Leonardo Da Vinci, The Last Supper, very famous painting. They glued their hands to it in protest, not realizing how much gas a uh, squad car uses that it's going to you know, take them to the station and all that. Doesn't doesn't glue have oil in it too? Seriously, this this is why a lot of people scoff at environmentalists. I mean, okay, if you're the environmentalist that um, has uh, what, what what do they call them a job? You know, I think people would take you a little more seriously. If you're somebody that's like, yeah, I like to reduce, reuse, recycle. I recycle aluminum cans. I pick up trash in the woods. Uh, that sort of thing, you know, I don't pour crap down the storm drain. I think a lot of people are cool with you. And they're like, yeah, maybe I should do that. When they look at these Greenpeace wackos that uh, do things like this out of the blue, that's where the stereotypes come from. Like, nobody's going to go out of their way to make a vegan feel like an ass. But uh, PETA, PETA's kind of that negative stereotype of the vegan. And these protesters are the negative stereotype of the environmentalist. And to me, they're not really protesting the use of gas. They're not protesting in favor of the environment. They're protesting because secretly, deep down inside, they hate society, they hate Western civilization, and they're anarchists. I mean, why else would you go out of your way to potentially destroy a piece of history to Western civilization? Which would take more man hours and more chemicals to clean up. But I digress because I'm a thinking human being, for crying out loud. Uh, you can read more about that. Again, on that fantastic uh, Facebook page that is the Mike Davidson Facebook fan page. And, of course, I got the Twitter account as well. And next week, let's hope we can get uh, somebody that's not off the grid to talk a little bit. Sorry if uh, my voice sounds like crap. Again, I've been feeling kind of run down, and uh, the air's been kind of dry around my house, too. So I got to go wet my whistle with a little cold one. I'll talk to you next week. Until next week, stay fresh. Cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.